Hello, welcome to the Reversing Diabetes with Delane MD podcast. This is episode number 203. I hope you can hear me okay. It's a little echoey. I am currently traveling and I am in a place uh, where I'm really close to a highway and it's really noisy to me. So I hope you hear me okay. I have a mic going, so I hope that um, that helps cut down on some of the ambient noise. So if this is your first time to the podcast, I'm Delane Vaughn. I'm a board certified family practice doctor, former emergency room nurse and healthcare provider that's a veteran to the system. I'm also the host of this podcast. This podcast is really dedicated to women who are not ready to let go of their longevity, their vitality, and their vigor. This is for women who knows who know that life is a, a gift and they're not ready to start that downward spiral of letting that go. I think most of us realize as we get enough birthdays under our belt that the sharpness and the stamina and maybe the crispness of our exuberance and our youth might fade a little bit, but we're not ready to blunt it out entirely. When we get a diagnosis like diabetes or prediabetes, we see that as a warning shot. It's a threat to this gift that we have of life and we wanna stop it. Many of us find that when we learn about diabetes, we realize it's a process that really needs to be reversed and it needs to be stopped in order for us to maintain the spirit and the uh, kind of the vitality that's always been us. This podcast is dedicated to strategies for helping women do just that. So I do want to give the typical warning that I give for folks who are listening to this podcast. If you're listening to this podcast and you are on medications for your type 2 diabetes, you need to get in contact with your medical provider that's giving you these meds. You have been medicated for a way you have eaten in the past, and now you are going to change the way you eat, so those meds are going to need to change also. If they do not change, you can get very, very sick, like hospitalization and even death sick. So you need to make sure you have a clear line of communication open with your medical provider so that you can call them and let them know what your blood sugars are doing so that you can adjust your meds appropriately so that you can come off of those meds and be safe okay so if you're going to make these changes that i recommend in this podcast and you are on medications for your type 2 diabetes please contact your medical provider and get a plan of action together with them all right uh if you've been listening to this podcast and you enjoy it i would highly recommend that you or rate the podcast on whatever app you're listening to. If you're not listening to it on an app, if you're listening to it somehow um, through my website, like you don't have to rate it on my website, but share it with your friends, tell people about it. The more people that hear about this podcast, the more people that rate this podcast, more podcast apps will tell people about this podcast. If you're finding it helpful, others will find it helpful. Give them that same opportunity to get the help that you're getting to reverse your diabetes and learn how to live a naturally healthy life. Follow me on Instagram, follow me on Facebook, join the Delane MD um, Reversing Diabetes Facebook group. Just hit like whatever it is, join and I'll get you in there. So today we are going to talk about indulgence and we're not going to talk about indulgence in the way that's fun. <laughs> we're going to talk about indulgence in a way that um, it keeps us stuck and it, it really is an obstacle. And again, I'm not talking about indulgence in food. I'm talking about indulging in thoughts and feelings that keep us in the same position. For those who have been listening to this podcast and have been sending me uh, messages, letting me know that it's been helpful for you 
And like, I even got a message the other day, the last few podcasts have been on fire. Thank you so much. And I'm like, ah, thank you so much. Thank you for listening. So I want to say a shout out to those who one, send me emails. Thank you so much. Two, who've been listening for a long time. Thank you so much. I love that I get to spend this time with you every week. And I think of you and I think of you often. So this week I'm traveling, I'm going to a family reunion. So I drove halfway uh, yesterday and now I'm recording from a hotel, which is why I'm, you know, in this space that's not typical and the noise might be a little off. Um, I got to spend hours in the car though. And I was thinking about this podcast this whole time. And I was really thinking about the struggles that we go through and what I hear from my clients and what I hear from people when they email me. And that's really, um, partly I've been coaching clients through this, but as I got to sit and really just think, you know, it's just me traveling alone. There are nobody, there's no kids in the car with me. There's nobody else in the car with me. And so I'm able to just really sit with my thoughts and think about what it is that we go through with some of these thoughts. So one of the biggest thoughts that I've been really coaching my clients hard through lately is I don't know this belief that I don't know. They'll have eaten a bag of Oreos. That's always the joke that I kind of throw out the, I don't know why I ate a bag of Oreos. I use Oreos as a joke, you know, situation. Most people don't sit and eat a bag of Oreos. Although I have sit and eat, I mean, I've totally eaten a bag of Oreos in one sitting. So the, I don't know answer that we get when we ask ourselves, why did I do that? Or the, what do I need to do? What do you need to do to fix your diabetes? I don't know. This, I don't know is I've talked about it before in previous podcasts. It really keeps us stuck. And I want to dive into that a little bit today. This not only, I don't know, which is a thought that we have, but then there are other thoughts that I'm going to dive into, which are basically the same thing as I don't know. And we're going to dive into those. When we have these thoughts, we really truly are unaware that we're thinking that it's optional to think I don't know that it's an option to tell yourself and believe that you don't know. We believe that it's just telling the situation I don't know why I did this. So I think of when I was a child, my brother and I my brother's going to this family reunion with us with me. Um, I'm meeting my parents there. And I think about when my brother and I were kids and we would get in trouble. And there were times that he and I would get in trouble and we would be asked, like, who did this? And we'd really be like, I don't know. Like, we really probably didn't remember. Like, I don't know. And then there were other times that we got in trouble. Like, why didn't you clean your playroom? Why didn't you guys fix, you know, do this job, this task that my parents had asked us to do? And we would mumble, I don't know, because... Like that was not an accepted answer. Even if we truly didn't know, it was just not an accepted answer when we were kids. And when we were kids, I mean, I think both my brother and I were like, why are they trying to like, you can't get blood from a turnip. Stop asking me something I don't know the answer to. And what I realized, I mean, again, my parents did not accept that as an answer when I was a kid. I don't know it was not on the table. Like that was not an okay answer. And I can remember even being afraid, like I would mumble it under my breath sometimes because I knew I was going to get in trouble for saying it, even though it was the answer I came up with. Looking back on this, I realized why my parents did not accept I don't know as an answer was because it kept us blocked from moving forward. So if the answer was, 
like the, and they would push me. They'd be like, why didn't you clean this? And I'd be like, I don't know. And they'd be like, yeah, you kind of do know. Why didn't you clean it? And the reality of it, I didn't clean it because I didn't want to. I just didn't want to do it. I'd rather play instead of clean. And when I told them I didn't know, it blocked them from addressing the fact that like, you can't always play. Sometimes you got to do the work. And that was a lesson I needed to learn in that situation. And I couldn't learn the lesson. They couldn't teach me the lesson as long as I was sitting and holding to the I don't know reason for why I did it. This is why I don't knows keep us stuck. Recognizing that the sooner we can move past, I don't know why I ate the Oreos. I don't know how to fix my diabetes. I don't know what to eat. The sooner we can move past, I don't know, the quicker we're going to get our results, right? My parents would never, like we weren't moving past. We'd sit there all night long with, I don't know why I didn't clean my room until I gave them an answer because we weren't going to stop. Like they weren't going to accept, I don't know, as an answer. So when we can move past the I don't know, we can start to have a solution. It's important to move past this because it's an obstacle to create what we want. I want you to look in your life and see where you might be using this. You know, in coaching, we always say that the way we do one thing is the way we do a lot of things, right? So most of us will find that we're doing this I don't know in many other areas of our life. I don't know why I can't get along with my sister or my mother. I don't know why I can't leave my job or why I continue to stay in my job. I don't know why I'm not bringing the things that I'm unhappy about with my relationship to my partner. There's all sorts of places. I don't know why I'm not saving the money for X, Y, or Z. There are all sorts of places in our life where this I don't know is likely showing up. It seems subtle. It seems innocent. It seems real. It is a way that our brain keeps us safe, quote unquote. It keeps us from having to explore other options other ways of doing things. It keeps us from being vulnerable. It keeps us from putting ourselves out there. It keeps us quote unquote safe. And what I want you to hear is safe is actually stuck. And as far as your diabetes goes, safe is stuck and sick. Okay. So staying safe, the, I don't know, keeps you safe, but it also keeps you sick. Okay. Once we realize that and we can move beyond it, then we can start getting somewhere. So when I think of other forms of I don't know, like remember I, I said we were going to talk about this and maybe you're not using the phrase I don't know. Maybe you're using other forms of it, like I need to have my jaw wired shut or I need to move to a deserted island or I need liposuction to fix my weight. I need somebody at work to change the policies in the break room so nobody can bring food to the break room. Or another one, very similar, is I want to give up. All of these phrases, all of these thoughts lead you to the same place. It leads you to the same place that I don't know leads you. It leads you to being stuck, not doing anything. When you say, I don't know, you feel confused. That confusion probably leads you to like try, I don't know, I ate, I ate a bag of Oreos before, I guess I'll try pizza and fries or wings and onion rings, right? Like, I guess I'll try this. And the result that you get is you still don't know how, right? Like you still aren't fixing your diabetes. I'm going to get my jaw wired shut. That's a feeling of confusion, but even like a futility. The same thing with I'm going to move to a deserted island or I'm going to have them change the policy at work. It's this futility 
that you have no control over it. It keeps you eating these foods that make you sick, giving yourself the result that you're going to have to get your jaw wired shut or you don't know how to fix it or you're going to have to move somewhere else or change the policy or do something different. Okay. When we allow our brains to believe this is the option, an option that you're never really going to take, you're not going to move to a deserted island. You're not going to call an orthodontist and wire your jaw shut. I don't even know that you could have an orthodontist do that. I don't know. I've, I've heard a lot of people asking for a lot of different things to manage their, the food that they eat. I've not actually ever heard of somebody being able to go to an orthodontist and wire their jaw shut. You're not going to likely, even if you made some kind of campaign to change the policy at your workplace so that there were no munchies in your break room, like even if you were able to get that policy change done, it is very unlikely, even if you were able to campaign for it, it's unlikely that it's actually going to stick and nobody's going to bring food. Okay. It's unlikely, honestly, that a workplace would say no food, right? They're not going to do that. And the more time you spend with these thoughts, I don't know. I'm going to move to a deserted island. I'm going to get liposuction. Maybe you will get liposuction and that's fine. But unless you're actually taking steps to getting liposuction, you are wasting time with these thoughts. You are indulging <laughs> indulgence, right? You are indulging in thoughts that don't actually create anything different. You are indulging in thoughts that lead to feelings that create more evidence of the thought that you're indulging in. That's what you're doing. And that's where this indulgent, like we talk about in coaching, indulgent thoughts and feelings. Indulgent thoughts and feelings give you evidence of what you've been thinking to create more of that feeling. You just indulge in creating more of it. And it never leads to any action that's functional or amazing. Allowing yourself this and the give up, right? Like this is also indulgent. If you allow yourself to believe that you're, it's okay to give up. You are allowing yourself to believe that it's okay to give up so you can avoid the frustration of trying and trying and trying and going back at it again and trying at it again and telling yourself that it's a failure, which is why you feel so frustrated. When you tell yourself you're going to give up, you allow yourself to relieve that frustration feeling. But the fact of the matter is, it is what you want. Your authenticity and your integrity is going to drive you to coming back and wanting it again. And that's where I give up as indulgent. It keeps you in the cycle of never moving forward. So this is where coaching is helpful. You need somebody to call you on the BS of it is what it comes down to. In your brain, mom, I don't know who broke the chair. I, do, I truly don't know who broke the chair. It seems so innocent like and just like fact i don't know why i ate the oreos i just don't know coaching is the process of somebody looking at what your brain is telling you and seeing the results that are created from you from that, that from that thing that your brain's telling you and having you see the connection between the two when i say i don't know i feel confused i continue to eat the foods that have made me sick which keep me not knowing why i'm sick with diabetes it keeps me stuck i challenge people when they come to me with the i don't knows to look deeper one look at what it's costing you because that is going to drive the motivation to figure out why you're telling yourself like to move past the i don't know 
If you realize that I don't know is costing me years of my life and health and inevitably like my feet are going to have to be amputated my vision's going to go and my kidneys are going to, you know, shoot out and they're not going to work anymore. That's what the story of I don't know is costing me. It's also costing me months and hours and years of my life just ruminating and wanting to create something different and never giving myself the permission and the opportunity and investing in the skills to figure out how to do it. That is what I don't know is costing you. That is what the story of, I'm gonna get my jaw wired shut or I'm gonna move to a deserted island. That's what that story is costing you. That is what not moving past those stories is costing you. So that's the first challenge in coaching. Like what's this costing you? Are you willing to exchange that long-standing, that long-term outcome for this story? So you don't have to change the story that's in your brain, okay? Seeing that the persistent story of I don't know is creating this result is a big, big point here. And this is what coaching does. Coaching allows or helps has somebody come in and show you the BS that these thoughts are creating. And then we push for an answer. So I can remember in coaching when we learned when I went through coach training, one of the things that they would encourage people like that they would teach coaches to ask their clients in order to push them beyond was if you did know what the answer was what might that be and i can remember like that just didn't compute in my brain like clearly if i did know i wouldn't be telling you i didn't know like that's not even on the table for me right so this idea of if you did know what would the answer be i don't even use that a lot sometimes i will but usually I will say things, there are two things that I frequently say. If you had to give me three things that could possibly be the answer, even if they weren't the perfect or right answer, what might they be? And then the other answer, which my kids get really angry when I use this and they act like it's just such a horrible question. And I don't know, I think it's pretty, I think it's functional, but they think it's offensive. The other answer, if it's not, the, if I asked you to, for three answers, even if they weren't perfect, what would those three answers be? The other question that I ask, if there was a gun to your head and you had to come up with an answer, what would that answer be? If there was a life on the line, like somebody was going to die if you couldn't say why you ate the Oreos, okay? What would the reason be that you said you ate the Oreos, okay? That's that's the really important part because it gets underneath the reason that you did it it gets underneath the i don't know it gets you beyond that obstacle okay so lots of times the answers that i get are i like it or it tastes good these are two answers that i get that people like that's the first answer <laughs> always like why did you eat the oreos because oreos taste good and so I, my, my answer to a client that says, I ate this because it tastes good, is of course it tastes good. Absolutely it tastes good. Absolutely you like it. Of course it does. And if you're waiting to not like the food in order for you to reverse your diabetes, you will never reverse your diabetes because you will always like the food. It will always taste good. Remember guys, the food manufacturing companies in this country put millions of dollars into research and development to make sure that you like their food. Coke puts millions of dollars in research and development to make sure you like their Coke instead of Pepsi. 
Oreos puts millions of dollars into research and development to make sure you want their Oreos specifically. Not hydroxyls, which are also, you know, wafers with cream filling. Oreos puts millions of dollars into research and development to make sure you buy a package of Oreos, okay? Of course you like them. Of course they taste good. They're, they are designed for you to like them and for them to taste good. That's all they're designed to do, okay? So if you're waiting for your brain to somehow not be affected by the research and development that goes into making sure that you like these foods, you will never fix your type 2 diabetes, okay? You're gonna like them. So if you're gonna like them and that's not gonna change, what do you wanna do going forward? Do you wanna stay sick? Cause that's an option. Or are you ready to like, I don't want to continue to do this. I wanna find a different way. So the difference between people who struggle with the food that they eat and people who do not struggle with the food that they eat is the fact that it tastes good and that they like it or they want it is irrelevant. It doesn't matter. So if you think about drinking alcohol, right? So we're going to use the analogy of drinking alcohol and then we're going to apply it to food, okay? If you think about drinking alcohol, the people who struggle with drinking alcohol and do it in ways that they, like it's not aligned with their integrity, they're getting in trouble at work, they're not able to keep their life doing the things that they want to be doing because they struggle with drinking alcohol. For those people, they believe that I like it and I want it and it tastes good is relevant. So much that they do it even when it doesn't align with their goals, their life, what they want in their life, okay? The people who don't struggle with alcohol, they still like it they still want it, they still like the way it tastes, but it's not relevant. They're not drinking it at 8 a.m. before they go into work. They're not drinking it before they go and drive around, okay? Not because they don't like it, they do like it, but because they like it and they want it is not relevant in that moment. This is the same thing with our food. It is not relevant that you like Oreos. Of course you like Oreos, of course you do. I like Oreos. It just doesn't matter because I know they make me sick. And I know that eating them all the time is not going to keep me living my life in a naturally healthy way, which is a, a, a priority for me. Okay. So the more time you spend with the belief that I like it and it tastes good and not looking at everything else, the more time you're going to keep eating it. It just creates desire for the food okay it's irrelevant that you like it and you desire it that doesn't matter what matters or what also matters and i wouldn't even say that it's like it doesn't matter that you like it it's just that this isn't a time to have it that's real i do believe that's real but it's not like oh i like it and that doesn't matter it's that oh i like it and also it makes me sick and that's why right now wanting it and liking it doesn't matter, okay? I don't want you to talk yourself out of liking it. I don't want you to lie to yourself and say, oh, I don't like it. That is not helpful. But maybe stop telling yourself that I like it is the only thing that matters because it really doesn't matter. You liking it and it tasting good absolutely does not matter. 
the more time you spend believing that it does matter, the more time you're going to struggle with this. So look around you and see the people who are living naturally healthy life lives, people who live their life in this way that doesn't make them sick with diabetes. The people who are living their life in a way that they are not sick with diabetes, doesn't, they don't believe that it matters that they like Oreos, that they taste good. They just, they're like, yeah, that doesn't matter because they also aren't healthy for me. The people who are struggling with these foods in their life are struggling because they believe it matters. And that's really what it comes down to. When we get past the, I don't know, and we answer like this really like kernel, just baseline, like, oh, I just like it. We can kind of get to the bottom of that. Lots of times women won't give me that answer because there's a lot of judgment and guilt. Like I shouldn't want it. I shouldn't want that. I shouldn't like it. If I didn't like it, I'd be healthy. And my health should be my biggest priority. Horse shit, you shouldn't like it. They put millions of dollars into this research and development to make sure you'll like it. So maybe that's not even true. Of course you should like it. Like there's all sorts of science stacked up against you to make sure you like it. Of course you should like it. There's nothing wrong with liking it. It's just liking it doesn't matter. That's where we can move on beyond that. Okay. Let go of that guilt. Let go of the shame. Of course you like it. There are other reasons that once we get below that, they're like, okay, yeah, I like it. And it's okay that I like it. It just doesn't matter that I like it. Once we move beyond that, then other things start to effervesce to surface things like I drink or I drink, I eat in social situations. Like we're at a party, we're at a picnic and that I find that I need to have something in my hands and something to eat or we eat because we're anxious or nervous, or we eat because we're bored, or we eat because we're sad or lonely or angry or frustrated or irritated or all of these things, right? Like this is what really comes to be at the bottom of this is we have all these feelings that we don't wanna have and we eat to kind of buffer them out. So when we're finding that we're eating in social situations, normally there's some social anxiety that's going on. And how you like learning to just sit with, of course, I'm anxious in this situation. I feel like I need to be this person or I need to be on or I need to entertain or I want them to like me. And there's nothing wrong with any of that. It's just not something that I need to make go away. Like if I want to make it go away, if I want to stop thinking it matters whether they like me or not, I think that that's totally relevant and we can do that but it doesn't need to be fought against or, you know, dampened out and pushed away entirely. Like I can feel that in the moment and I can understand even why I feel that. I think there's so much to um, learn about ourselves by understanding why we think that these things, why we're feeling these things. And that's really what's there, whether it's anxiety or nervousness or sadness or loneliness or anger or frustration, asking yourself, why am I having these feelings? I can remember um, when I would work and even now when I work in the ER, right? Like I'll go to work and I definitely have anxiety and I have frustration and I have annoyance and I have irritation. They want to show up. They're just old friends that used to come to work with me all the time. What I realized when I allowed myself to feel them and then gave myself permission to like decide whether I want to keep feeling this way about the people that I serve, what I've kind of decided is that's not how I want to show up to the people that I serve as a physician. They come to me because they don't know what to do. And I don't want to be annoyed and frustrated with that. 
even when it seems like uh, you got a fever, I would take some ibuprofen for a fever. Like for me, it's like a no brainer. Like, why are you in the ER bothering me with it? Quote unquote, I had to be really authentic with myself and see that that was what I was thinking and then decide, do I want to keep that or not? Because the anxiety and the frustration and the irritation came from the fact that I was not living in alignment with my integrity. My integrity is that I went into this profession to help people. And in order to help people, I have to help all the people, not just the ones that I think are relevant, right? And so from that space, I have learned, even when irritation and annoyance shows up, and it does, even when that happens, I've learned that, okay, yeah, of course these feelings are here, but these people came to me because they need help. How can I help them? Because giving them ibuprofen is really easy and safe and fine. Like that's so easy. These feelings that you have are coming because you're happy. There's some, something they're trying to tell you. They're trying to give you some information. What is that information? You're going to have to feel them and stop buffering them out and dampening them out with food in order for you to get that information, right? Boredom is a great one. I love the gift that boredom has been to me because the gift that boredom has been to me has been a transition from I'm bored and I want to eat to entertain to looking at the things that I tell myself I don't have time to do in my life. Because if I have time to eat and be bored, I have time to do all of these things that I've always wanted to do in my life and really live this robust life. Boredom's a gift. All of these feelings are a gift. You cannot get to those feelings and determine what those feelings are if you continue to tell yourself you don't know. You don't know why you ate it. If you continue to tell yourself that you got to move to a deserted island where there are no Oreos. If you continue to tell yourself that you got to go get your wire, your jaw wired shut, all of these stories keep you stuck and indulgent in this stuck place, the safe, stuck and sick place. You cannot get to these feelings and what they're really trying to tell you unless you move past that. That's what coaching does. I've walked you through today how to do that so you could do self coaching with this. But certainly, if you're ready to tackle this, to put this diabetes things, thing behind you, there is help. That is what I do with women in my group for diabetes. If you're interested in signing up and getting involved in that group, send me a message, Delane at DelaneMD.com. We'll set you up for our consult. Make sure that my program is right for you. Make sure that you see how this is going to help you move past your diabetes and get you started on that path. If you're interested, send me a message, Delane at DelaneMD.com. If you have any questions, send me a message, Delane at DelaneMD.com. If you have any comments to make, I love hearing them. Send me a message. I hope this has been helpful. I will be back next week. I will talk with you then. Bye-bye.